0: Let's go over to Romans, Romans the fifth chapter. If you did bring a Bible, turn there with me. If you have it on your phone, that works. Uh, If you're really cool, have an iPad or something, then you probably don't even need to turn because you're already so close to God. If you don't have any of the above, maybe you're not used to doing that. We'll put it on the screen for you and uh, do encourage you to study these things out for yourself. Romans chapter 5, let's begin here reading verse 6. Romans 5, 6. For, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die, but God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Is that good? Amen. This is a demonstration of God's love for us. What is it? Jesus on the cross, dying for people who didn't deserve it who weren't worthy, who weren't holy, who weren't seeking after Him. Jesus died for us anyway. Aren't you glad for that? That is the love of God. We started a new series a couple weeks ago. The title is True Love. True Love. Say it out loud. True Love. Now, I'm using that, that language, True Love, just to contrast false love, or really what I would say, human watered-down love. All the love substitutes that exist in the world, and not that they're all, they don't all have a place in some way, they just don't compare to the true love of God. Because if I can live in that and experience that, there is no better life than that. And so continuing along in this in this message I'm endeavoring to reveal what true love is so that uh, when we say things like God loves you or God loves me Jesus loves me that we have a an accurate clear picture and understanding of what that love is all right many times people throw out words even in in church in Christian circles people throw out words that you know, they, don't, they just don't have a full meaning like they ought to. And I tell you what, the very character and nature of God is love. And it's something that we should understand and, and have a clear picture of so we can live in it, abide in it, walk in it, and of course let it flow through us. And so we're distinguishing between human, natural, again, watered down type of love and the love of God. Now, I said this to you, I want to say it again, that Jesus is and was God in the flesh. And because we know from 1 John 4 that God is love, we could say Jesus is love, even when in His earthly walk in ministry, He was love walking around. So if I want to understand what true love is, I should look at Him, both in His life and in His death, how He dealt with people, the things that He said, and I can get a clear picture of love. Now some of it, just to be brutally upfront with you is different than what we think of love. Many times if people would have would have approached Jesus and kind of came in at the end of a conversation, they wouldn't have said, "Well, he's Mr. Love." But he was. But th- but but things understood in context and understanding what love is will help us to know how to deal with each other and not have these watered down relationships, have these uh, I don't know, almost just surfacy relationships where we don't deal with stuff because we're afraid of saying something that is not ultra-sweet or ultra-accepting. Because we think if we do that, that wouldn't be loving. But that's not the case. And so I want to get into some of those things here today and, and, and in the weeks to come as well. But when we fully understand how God loves us, then we can keep ourselves in that love. Or as Jesus said, we can abide in that love. So I've got to see it abundantly clear. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 is a place that talks about the love of God a lot. I want to draw your attention to one verse there for a moment. And this is what I want to primarily share on today and teach on. And that is, love speaks the truth. Love, it won't lie to you. It won't deceive you. It will be honest with you, sometimes brutally honest with you. But love speaks the truth. Here's what the sixth verse says about love. It says, it does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. What does love do? It rejoices in truth. The Amplified Bible says it this way, it rejoices when right and truth prevail. Okay, when truth wins, when truth prevails, that's the way that love is. It has a very high, it has set a high importance on truth. So if ever I'm going to be in love, in the love of God, I need to recognize that God love, God is love, and that God is all about truth. He'll never lie to you, He'll never lie to me, He's not about anything false, No pretend, no fake, no phony. Truth. Truth is very important in love. Now now look with me at Matthew chapter 10. Let's go over there. Matthew the 10th chapter. You see, here's here's the deal about about love rejoicing in truth. That's not the same as saying love rejoices in peace it's not the same as saying love rejoices when there is no conflict at all because the reality about the true pure love of God is sometimes someone who is operating in this love will say and do things that don't bring peace But they are based upon truth. And if we exalt the desirability of a peaceful relationship above those things that are true, we'll most likely have to, in many situations, sacrifice truth to get that. Everybody with me so far? All right. So the love of God does not equal, an absence of conflict. It in some situations will bring conflict. And I know that's not what any of us are seeking. I'm not seeking conflict. I don't like conflict. But because I have the love of God working in me, there are times when I'm going to have to put up with or have conflict in my life. Because I love someone. Because, of, because I love them enough to not back down or back away from truth. Wow, it sure is quiet in here. Is this one of those hard messages? Jesus said something that is absolutely astounding and totally rocks theology of many people of what they think about him. And that's what I want to look at right here, right now. In Matthew chapter 10. He said, let's see, verse 34. Matthew 10, verse 34. He said, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. Now someone said, well that's got to be a typo. (laughs) Certainly Jesus did come to bring peace on earth. He said, do not say that. Or do not think that, that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace. Who are we quoting here? All right, Just checking. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. is not Judas, it's Jesus. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Yeah. Is that kind of... Yeah. Really? Jesus? Prince of Peace? Isn't that who he is? You know, what about Christmas? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. <laughs> See here's what we must understand. Here this is not a not a contradiction here. See, Jesus came to bring peace on earth in this regard, that is earth's relationship with heaven. He came to bring peace to your life, but that peace is directly speaking of your peace with God, not necessarily your peace with another person. Now, many of us are at peace with each other because we both have peace with God. But Jesus came to bring peace in some regards, and that's this vertical relationship. But He said directly that He came to bring a sword. In other words, a sword of division. There is an aspect of Jesus, remember, He's God in the flesh, He is love. Love came to bring division. Hmm, That doesn't even sound good, does it? That doesn't sound good at all. Now, it's not the goal. It's not the desire. Not the intent. But it is the reality of anyone who has love and truth in their life. If I don't have the love of God working in me, there are many times I won't tell you the truth why because it's going to affect our relationship in a negative way because I might be judged very harshly anyone who speaks truth will be judged they will your motives will be judged you'll be called everything nowadays you'll be called a hater you'll be called everything under the sun that's not kind but if you operate in the love of God you must love truth God loves you enough to tell you like it is he does he loves me enough to tell me at times things that are a little uncomfortable why because if I'll receive it I'll benefit I'll grow I'll change in a positive direction but if he didn't love me and if we don't love each other and even love people in the world Then we will, because of the discomfort factor, because of the potential of kickback, the potential of persecution, of being accused, we will withhold truth to keep the peace. And so, our goal is not self-preservation, not just to keep our standing with everyone and have everyone think that we're great, our goal is is to help people. Love wants to lift someone up and make their life better, to bring them victory in all areas of life. And so the question would be, uh, do we love people enough to say it anyway? Do we love people enough to tell them the truth even though there's a possibility that they might not be happy about it and they might not receive it? Wow, this is really quiet. I hope this is uh, good stuff to chew on. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. Should we avoid all words that may be offensive? Should that be the drawing line? Anything that's offensive, I will never say it. Well, here's the reality. Okay? The gospel is offensive. The gospel is offensive. Jesus is called the rock of offense. He is the stumbling stone. He's the one people are tripping over. And so, if I want, if I, if my uh, commitment is to never say anything offensive, I cannot talk about Jesus anymore. I can't talk about his love because, you know, he made some pretty strong statements, didn't he? I mean, didn't he say, "I am the way, the truth, the life," and no one. Zero. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now you get a lot of kickback in our world today. You saying Jesus is the only way? Yep. Well, how rude. How exclusive of you. Don't you have one of those bumper stickers, you know? Puts everything together, every symbol, every religious symbol, and says we should just all coexist. How exclusive of you. How how hateful of you. No, it's not. Uh, if it's true, what if I've discovered something that is true to the degree that I'm willing to go all in myself? I'm willing to, uh, and have, bowed my knee and said, Lord, you're the only one for me. And I will do whatever you say. I live my life. I give my life for you. What if I've come to a conclusion? I know what is true. It would be rude. It would be unloving of me to not share that in a direct and absolute way with other people. Anybody still here today? Okay. The lover of self will avoid the truth because they don't want to deal with the potential fallout of speaking it. Because we all want everyone to like us, I want people to like me. I don't want to stir up any, con- con- uh, you know, conflict. I'm working. English is my second language. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Jesus went on to say here in verse 35, "For I have come, listen." "...to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household." Now who's saying this? Love is saying this. Love in the flesh is making these statements of divided homes, divided relationships. It's like, ah, is that what we want? Do we want divided homes? No, we don't. Did Jesus want divided homes? Absolutely not. But there is something that must rise above our desire for everyone to be okay with us and like us. And that is we must love truth. We rejoice when truth prevails. I I mean, I know whenever someone serves God, they give their life to the Lord, there's always other people that don't really like it. Some of you, you used to have a you know, maybe all your, your drinking buddies you used to go party with all the time, you got saved and, you know, you didn't want to go there anymore. And some of them probably called you holier than thou and all kinds of things. They didn't really like uh, like the fact that you have pro- probably got accused of feeling or thinking you were superior to them and everything else. But your desires shifted. You desired to please your master, to serve the Lord. And so, you, and so people didn't like that. Uh, so, some of you, you may have a spouse at home today. And they don't really like the fact that you go to church. They don't. And they might give you a hard time about it. Well, what do you do? Here's what you do. You love them and go anyway. You do. Because there's got to be truth where you say, um, uh, you know, God is God. And that, cert- that is more important than anything else in life. And I don't mean if, you're, if your spouse uh, is not saved, they don't have a relationship with God, uh, that you should be doing church activities every night of the week. That probably is not a good testimony. If you're not there, you know, being a, uh, taking care of your family and your home and all these kind of things and doing what's necessary, people can be extreme there. But, uh, but, but there has to be decisions made that we say, hey, this is true. This is right. This is what I'm supposed to do. God wants me to do this. I'm going to. Even if someone else doesn't like it, because there will always be someone who doesn't like it, and so Jesus made these strong statements. And like I said, people who speak the truth, they'll be judged. They'll be their motives will be questioned. I remember when I was just a young child. I don't remember my age, but I lived in our family lived in Southern California. And if you've ever been on the freeways in California, you know they can be quite hectic. A lot of traffic and high speed, you know when you're not going two miles an hour, but when it's enough to move, c- cars are going very fast, often over the speed limit and uh, but I still have this memory uh, from uh, when I was a kid that one day we were going down the freeway. I was probably in the back seat, I guess maybe I was up on the sitting on the dash in the front seat. I don't know it's not like you had seat belts, <laughs> and uh, you know but i remember we're driving down the freeway and and there's this guy we're looking up in front of the car he's standing on the side of the road waving his arms and and moving his arms like you know like this trying to get obviously he's trying to move traffic he's trying to get people to get out of a certain lane that's what well i know that was the result cuz i know the whole story <laughs> but but if he's he's over there and he's sweating he's frantically waving his arms and he's the only one there and he's just trying to get cars uh, to come uh, in into a different lane. Well, he was kind of at the top of a, a little bit of a hill there to where you couldn't see much further beyond that. And once we got up to the, to the top there of the hill, we saw his car is stopped right in the middle of the freeway in a lane. And he probably didn't have the, I'm just speculating, but have the you know, guts to try to push it out because he could get smashed. <laughs> But in the meantime, he's trying to keep everyone from running into the car and causing a major pileup, people getting hurt. So he's doing whatever he can, probably until police or different ones would would uh, become aware of it and and help the situation out. But you look at it, people pulling up there, and think they might think, "What is that guy doing? He's crazy! Get off the side of the road, you know." And think, "This there's something wrong with this guy." Well, the the only thing here that's going on is he knows something. That no one else knows. That's coming up on the freeway. He knows something they don't know. So he is doing whatever he can in this situation. To help someone else not get in a wreck. And in this situation it's, raised, it's waving his arms. And, and doing all this stuff. But likewise it is with us with truth. Sometimes I'm going to yell it loud. I'm going to say it the best way I can. And it might not even come out perfect. But I'm just trying to tell people something that i see coming that they don't see i want to let someone know about something that i know that they don't know because if they know it they'll do different their life will go a different direction but if they don't find out what i know there can be great harm coming in their life like if a road was washed away you know and cars were going to go off a cliff and to their demise you would do whatever it took to stop cars from, from crashing because people are going to get hurt even though people don't understand you they may question your motives they may call you crazy they may say get out of the road but we're going to do it anyway why? it's called love love will tell people the truth love puts a high importance on truth in life look with me at John chapter 1 The book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 1. It it, it says over here that uh, in verse 17, so the whole first part of the book is talking about Jesus, how He was the Word, He was with God, He was God, that then He became flesh and dwelt among us. In verse 17 it says, For the law was given through Moses, called Ten Commandments, all the other stuff. The law was given through Moses, but grace... And truth came through Jesus Christ. Notice two things. What came? Grace and truth. Jesus was not all about grace. What was He about? Grace and truth. He came, no doubt He came with love and compassion. He also came with a message of absolutes. He was unbending He would not waver. There were things that He would teach, statements He would make, that He would not back down from them. Were they done in love? Absolutely. He was about grace and truth. But it wasn't this type of grace that someone might think, Well, Jesus just accepted everybody and every idea and every lifestyle and every concept and made them all equal, everything's the same. No, Jesus flat out contradicted a lot of people. He spoke in such a way where some people had to make a decision. It was like, I've got to choose here now. And how many know that's the way the gospel is? We present it in such a way not so someone can be comfortable with not making a decision. We want people to choose life or death, blessing or cursing, light or darkness. I, I, I desire to present God in such a way where, it, you know, it's accurate, best I can, because He's so desirable, but then say, okay now, ready? Choose. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with this message? What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with God? He's not going to twist your arm. He's not going to force you. But you can choose Him. Because He has chosen you. And He wants you. But you can choose Him. Or you can walk away. But know where you stand. Don't play games. Don't don't call yourself kind of a Christian. You know, oh, I kind of believe in some of it. I realize you might be in a process. But at some point some point, you get to a place, you choose. And say, now, I'm all in. I'm going to live for Him all my days. Because He's true. Because this, this is right. He loves me. Come on now. Jesus was full of, He brought grace and truth. Many of you are aware of John 8. John eight thirty two is a great scripture. Jesus said here, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How does a person get free? Truth. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. In other words, if I believe something that's a lie, I will be bound up. Lies, bondage. Truth, freedom. This is why love only speaks the truth. Because it wants to bring freedom to people. If I don't care if people are helped, if they're bound up and struggling and all kinds of... stuff in life, I won't bother telling them the truth, because I just want you to like me. I'll just tell you, you're awesome in every way. Don't change at all. You're wonderful in every way. You'll like me. You'll call me the nicest guy around, but I'm not. I'm selfish, self-centered. All I think about is what you think about me. All I'm thinking about is how I want you to like me, so I won't tell you the truth. Yikes, huh? When we really love people, sometimes, because we love them, we'll get in their face and say, hey, you know what? You know what? <laughs> this is a bad deal here. This is, You're going the wrong direction. This is a wrong decision. I, w- I want to tell you the way things are. But that can be difficult to do because they might not accept it. And they might call you everything but a nice guy. They might accuse you of being, having false motives and everything else. But if you have love, you tell them anyway and risk it. You risk it. Jesus said the truth will make you free. This is not the fleshy kind of love that brings freedom. It's true love that brings freedom. Because if truth uh, makes you free, again, then lies bind. And God would never lie to you. He will never lie to me. How many know when, when, the Lord's, when the Lord speaks to you, whether it's in direction, go this way, do this, or it's in correction, change courses, go a different direction, change something in your life, whatever He speaks to us, in either way, He's always telling us the truth. You know what the good news about this is if the Lord tells me to do something, even if I like, mm, I don't know if I want to do that or I'm not sure if that's a good decision for me, if I'll follow it, I'll end up free. If I'll ignore it, I'll stay in bondage or enter into bondage. God would never tell me something that will be a lie, therefore ending up in bondage in my life. He will always tell me what's true, even if it's a word of correction. Even if it's a word of doing something that I had planned on doing or didn't necessarily want to do. If I'll follow it, it's true and it'll bring freedom. My life will be better than ever before. Why is that true? Because God is love. He loves us enough to tell us the truth. Do we love people enough to tell them the truth? See, we want there to be a consistency here. I'm living in the love of God, and the love of God is flowing through me. I see how God relates to me, and I relate the same way with other people. This is a happy day. Come on. (laughs) I tell you, when we operate in this kind of love, and so do we accept all opinions as being equal? No. No, some things are just wrong. Doesn't mean I'm calling you a lousy person. Doesn't mean you're a rascal for being wrong. Because I'm wrong sometimes. And doesn't mean I have a bad heart. Doesn't mean I don't want to be right. Doesn't mean I don't love God. Just wrong. And sometimes it's nice to know. I mean, it's nice to know from a nice person, but either way, it's nice to know. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Now, Now think about it. If you are listening to teaching, supposedly coming from the Bible, and that teaching is producing in in your life. Let's say it this way: if that teaching doesn't produce freedom from bondage, healing from sickness, you know, victory over poverty, uh, freedom from depression, all these kind of, if that teaching doesn't produce that, watch, it's not true. You know the truth; you'll be free. If we're listening to supposed teaching from the Bible and we end up in this, no better off than before, we don't have any greater relationship with God, no greater victory, we're not overcoming in life what we heard from the Bible, even though it may have been, it may, they may have used verses. It's not true. It's not true teaching. See, even the devil used verses when he tempted Jesus. But it's not a true thing. It's an easy way to judge. It, 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 it sometimes is astounding to me how an intelligent person would sit in a church week after week and hear and listen to teaching that says God wants you to be broke and poor and depressed and all this, and they finance it with their tithe. I mean, that makes zero sense to me for someone who has a brain, I don't mean to sound overly harsher, I mean, (laughs) uh, that that would listen to that. Because that doesn't produce freedom and it's just not true. Love rejoices in truth. Amen. Love, like I said, won't lie to you. Don't think that you're protecting people by lying to them. Many times these things are justified. Well, I'm just wanting to protect them, so I kind of told them a little white lie. Uh, As far as I can see, lies aren't uh, color-coded. And love will tell people the truth. Now, obviously, you know, a caveat to that, that doesn't mean because I love I tell everyone everything. There are some times when in love you recognize, I'm not going to volunteer this information, but I'm not going to lie to them. How I many know God doesn't tell you everything? I want Him to, I think. I want Him to tell me everything. But you know what I also think? He's probably smart for not there's probably some things I couldn't handle, I couldn't deal with. He doesn't tell me everything. It, when we're truly walking in love towards people, uh, whether it's your children or others, that doesn't mean necessarily you volunteer everything that passes through your mind or everything you have knowledge of. Everybody with me today? Sometimes, you know what that's just called? Carnality and lack of control. And they say, I'm just being real. Telling it like it is. I'm just being real with you. I'm just telling you what the, the way I see it. You know, have some maturity and control to you, where you choose. Some things, you know what, I do think this, I do believe this, this is true, but this is not the time to say it. And this is the, not the person to say it to. You know what I mean by that? There's, there's a right way, there's a right time, all these things. Even in sharing the gospel, you're trying to win a spouse or a family member or a neighbor to the Lord. How I many know you need to strategize? He who wins souls is wise you got to have wisdom. How do I say this? Where do I say it? When do I say it? So that the truth could more likely be received. So, what I'm not saying is, you know, just throw the truth out there however you want to. You know, it's kind of like sometimes you see these uh, folks, and this might sound judgmental of them, but just I'm um, whatever. I'm just talking about the procedure. They walk around with the signs, and they've got scriptures on them, but all the scriptures they use are about judgment and hell and different things like that and eh, you know is it true well some of it what they're saying some of what they're proclaiming on these signs is true it's just not all the truth it's not a complete picture I mean I don't think that's how you win someone to the Lord that's not gospel gospel is good news not bad news it doesn't mean that it's all false it's just not good news It's not what wins people over. I'd rather talk about love and forgiveness and Jesus dying on the cross. Just a thought. There's different ways to say things and we should be wise in in, in how we present this. But again, love won't make a promise and then renege on it. huh? Love doesn't tell someone, I'll do this for you, I'll be there for you and then not follow through. Why? Because that's not true. It's kind of like some of our. We got some outstanding uh, ministry leaders around here that that lead different departments and different areas of the church, and and uh, you know from time to time I'll have conversations with some, and some of their struggles are. You say, yeah, we got some really great people involved and in helping out and serving the Lord this way, but you know, like this week, uh, we had these two people or these three people. They were scheduled and they just didn't come, <laughs> and they're like. And it was tough. Well, you know what that is? That's lying. That's lying. What to say you're going to do something and then not do it? I don't consider that lying. Well, just telling you. Do with do with this whatever you want. You know, we can water it down and say, well, that's just something else, but. God would never do that to you. Never do that to you. He'd never make you a promise and then change His mind or not fulfill. You listen to me? Now what? Some people will teach that. They'll say that it's true about God. That's why we do that to each other. We think God's that way. People are taught all day long. Well, you got the promises of God, but God is sovereign, so He just might not do it. He's given you a promise, but in His sovereignty, He may just choose not to do that. And and He may do it, He may not do it. In His sovereignty, He makes up His own mind because He can do that. That's called lying, and that's not love. And that's not God. He will never back out of one of His promises just because He somehow knows better. He knew better when He made the promise. And He is a God of His word. All of the universe hangs on the integrity of God's Word. And not only that, God is love. And love places a high priority on truth. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been going for a while, haven't I? I didn't didn't realize how long I've been talking. You guys are doing such good listening. Let me try to finish this thing up right here. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about speaking the truth in love. Not just speaking the truth, speaking the truth in love. Like I said, when I was talking earlier, there are some that could feel totally empowered by this message to beat people over the head with truth. Say, hey, didn't you hear the message? Just telling you like it is. And they pull out their sword of the Spirit and they're cutting people up and and, and doing it in the name of truth. No, that's not the whole message. It's called, speak the truth in love. Like I said, it's not only what you say, but it's how you say it and when you say it. All these factors need to come into play. We are to speak the truth in love. Don't use your words to cut people up. Remember, grace and truth, not just truth, not just grace. Grace and truth are what Jesus came to bring. There are times to be silent. There are times when someone's wrong and it's not the right time to say anything about it. We should not be experts at finding faults. We should not feel, I am really good at discovering people's mistakes. It's a gift. And they'll, say, they'll call it discernment and all kinds of things, but they're really just fault finders. That's not the way the love of God acts. God is not nitpicking at you. huh? He's operating in love and grace and mercy. Love is not ignoring wrongdoing. When, we walk in, when we're operating this love, it doesn't mean we ignore wrong. It doesn't mean, secondly, that we are passive toward everything. Well, I'm a lover, so I just never say anything. No, that's not the way true love is. Love is number three. It's not being a doormat for people. If we're really operating in the true love of God, it doesn't mean you just allow people to walk all over you. No, that's not the way Jesus was. Jesus stood up to the, the biggest and baddest of His day. They were, the, they were religious rulers and these, uh, you know, he's, He spoke against Herod and, and different ones. No, Jesus was a strong, tough, loving person. Amen. You know, I, I read a quote this week, heard it from Margaret Thatcher who just passed away. I thought this was good. She said, to me, consensus seems to be the process of abandoning all beliefs principles, values, and policies. So it is something in which no one believes and to which no one objects. And she went on to say, when I'm out of politics, I'm going to run a business. It's called rent a spine. (laughs) I thought, yeah, that's a good way to talk about standing up for truth. Amen. I, I, I know this guy in... Another state, a pastor, and uh, the name of his church um, is interesting. It's not like a good name like life or, you know, or faith or grace or, you know, or one of the words. The name of his church is Guts. And I remember talking to him years ago. I said, why? I said, is that like an acronym or something? Does that stand for something? He said, no. He said, it just takes guts to serve God. I thought, oh, cool. I mean, it's a large church. They're reaching a lot of people. Guts. I tell you what, it takes guts to live in the love of God. It takes guts to speak the truth, even when it's unpopular. Amen? This doesn't mean we're not peacemakers and bridge builders and, and that kind of thing, but we place a high value on truth. Praise the Lord.